Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. I'm Andy, one of the pastors here at the Valley Church, and I cannot wait to start this new sermon series. Uh, I want to look at it in a whole new light because it's been an unexpected time, hasn't it, these last six months? And I think it's given us a new lens to look at the Christmas story. And so I, I hope you'll join us for this four-week series and, and just look at it with fresh eyes. I, I want you to know that this, this series is going to be a message the whole world needs to hear. It, it, the whole world needs to hear this message. And you're going to help us uh, help other people hear it, okay? That's, I, I want to ask that of you. Uh, we've got two things to ask of you. One is, you'll see these on your seat. If not, a seat near you. Would you just pick them up? These are invitation cards. And uh, about the Unexpected series, I, I'd like you to keep one of those cards and pray over the series. Ask God to, to speak to us. A ask God to, to speak to you. Ask God to speak to your friends and just bless this series. Here's the other thing. I'd like you to take the other two and invite somebody to come to the service. Uh, one of the services, the whole series. Uh, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a neighbor, a co-worker, whoever it is. Use these invitation cards. Don't let them sit. Now, if you're at home today and you say, well, I can't pick up a card. I'm not there. I'll tell you what, you can go to Facebook and share uh, the promo video or the bumper video you've just seen, the trailer. Um, boy, there's, there's other, uh, you can share the YouTube page. If you like our Facebook page, if you like the, uh, you subscribe to the YouTube page, uh, that helps other people when you're on there actually see it and see the services. So I'd love for you to do that right now if you're sitting at home. Here's the other thing I'd like you to do. We've got 150 of, of these yard signs. And you say, well, I don't know how effective yard signs are. Fascinating. I found out this is one of the most effective things that we do as a church to help people uh, understand uh, that something is happening, uh, that they can hear about the Lord at the Valley Church. Uh, there was a, a guy about seven, eight months ago came to the Valley and uh, he, his life was in shambles. In fact, you'll hear his story on, uh, hopefully, on Christmas Eve. And uh, his, his life was in shambles. He was trying to decide, what do I do? How do I, how do I change? What, what happened? And, and he, he had heard about the Valley Church. He went past, he said, about five of these signs right in a row, yard after yard after yard. And he said, it's a message. It's a sign. It's a sign that they're signs. I need to go. And he came to the Valley Church. He accepted Christ. His life's different now. And uh, I'll just tell you, these yard signs really do work. It draws the attention. So there are 150 right outside these doors. If you have a yard, would you grab a sign and just put it out there? And then after Christmas, you can take it down. And uh, we would love for you to do that. They're beautiful, and uh, they'll bring people to the Valley Church so they can hear the, the message that the whole world needs to hear, that the unexpected Christmas has an unexpected blessing in our life if we'll trust in Jesus. So, so, so excited to share this series with you. Well, today, I want to talk to you about the power of thanks. I want to talk to you about the power of thanks. Have you ever noticed that, that some people just seem to have a better outlook on life? Uh, they, they, just, uh, they just see things with a brighter picture. Take the student uh, who brought his grade report home to his father, and uh, his grades were a real disaster. So his dad said, well, what do you got to say for yourself? And the young son said, well, I, I think you ought to be pretty proud of me. And the dad said, oh, yeah, why? He says, well, you know for sure I haven't been cheating. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good outlook on life. Reminds me of the, the poster that was on a telephone pole. Uh, it said, missing dog. Uh, it, one ear is gone. 
broken left leg, tail is missing, uh, no longer can bark, answers to the name of Lucky. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a positive outlook on life. Do you have that kind of positive outlook on life? I've been reading about our presidents. I, I don't know. It's, it's really it's kind of a tr- uh, just a, kind of fascinated me to, to read through history and the presidents and, and how they responded to different crises and just what their makeup was. And I, I was reading about one president, and uh, he was a really optimistic guy. I'm not going to say the name because uh, there's another side to this. But, it, but, but this president, just he was a half-glass-full kind of guy. The problem was it was said... His wife went around accusing people of taking the other half. And uh, so the, the, the question is, are you the half glass full kind of person? Do you, are you thankful for what has happened in your life? Or are you the one that goes around accusing the world and everybody else of taking what, what you don't have? It's a great question for all of us, I think, to face this morning, to, to think about. Some people just, have you noticed? They, they just seem to have a countenance about them that no matter what the circumstances are in their life, there's joy and there's peace and there's contentment. And, and, and how do you get that? What, what, what allows them to have that kind of an outlook in the midst of very difficult circumstances? What, what's the secret to that kind of attitude? I, 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 think, I think there's a secret. And, and, and yet, I think sometimes we say, well, what does it even matter if I'm thankful? What does it even matter if I have a good attitude, if I'm a half-class full kind of person? And, uh, and, and sometimes maybe we even wear a, 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 our discontent, a, a, a critical spirit, um, a complaining attitude. Maybe we even wear it as a badge, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just seems like a badge, like maybe we're wiser than other people because we see through things. And and, and I want us to understand today that that, uh, that is not, it's a badge, but it's not the kind of badge that is going to bless our lives. You see, there's a, there's a power, there's an ability to have a, a joy and a contentment in our lives that surpasses no other. Ruth Graham, uh, Billy Graham's wife, discovered that one day. She was, uh, actually it was in the evening. She, she had been going through a very difficult time. She was in another foreign country. Uh, it was dark at night. She was alone. And uh, she was in her hotel room, and her mind began to be flooded. She had a, 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 one of her children who had rebelled. She and Billy had done what they knew, how to raise this child, but this child was rebelling. And, and there, was a, there was an anxious feeling in her. She said she was even tempted to begin to, uh, yeah, to, 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 to just have this, this fear and, and, and this overwhelming sense of panic. And, and, and she was struggling in that, in, in that time. And and she said she sensed that God said to her, Ruth, you're looking at the problems. I want you to begin to look at the promises. And so she opened her Bible and she came to this passage. And this passage read like this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and, thanks, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Ruth said she began to realize what had been missing from her prayers was thanksgiving. What had been missing was a focus on what God had done. So she said she put her Bible down. She began to praise God for who he was and thank him for who he was and then began to thank him for the things that God had done in her life. She began to thank him for that child that she had in the first place, even though they were rebelling the very fact that God had blessed her with a child. 
She began to thank God for what, what God was teaching her through this difficult time, began to thank God for her family and for her other children. And, and as she began to go down the list, she said it was, like, it was like light just came into her and it lifted off the darkness when she stopped looking at the problems the, and, and started looking at the promises. It was like a light had come into her soul. I, I want us to know today, thanks and anxiety cannot live in the same heart. They won't live in the same heart at the same time. And so we can either have anxiety or we can have thanks. We get to choose. I want us to see two things that's true about Thanksgiving today. That two things that's true. The first is this, thank, Thanksgiving moves us toward God. Thanksgiving moves us toward God. And if the ultimate goal for our life, if the ultimate purpose of our lives is to honor God, is to draw close in relationship to Him, and that's why He had us, that's why Jesus comes at Christmas, so He can restore the relationship between the Father and us, between God and us, that we've broken. If that's the whole purpose of our lives, the primary purpose, then anything that moves us toward, towards God is good, and anything that moves us away from God is not good. And that's why a complaining attitude is a sinful thing because it moves us away from God. And sometimes we can get really um, flippant about our caustic attitudes or, or our complaining attitudes, and, 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 and we can make posts without thinking, and, and, and we can be negative about a lot of things in our life. And, and the reality is those kind of things aren't, aren't flippant. Those kind of things aren't something to, to, to just wash away or dismiss because they actually have the power to move us away from God. Because the truth is, and I'm going the wrong way there, ingratitude is sin and it leads us to a darkened heart. But that's what Ruth found out, Ruth Graham, that the more she complained, the more she focused on the problems, the more she was not focused on being grateful to what God had already done in her life, the more it drew her away from God. On the other hand, a heart attuned to God will draw us close to Him. It's, the psalmist said this, he said, sing to the Lord with, a gr with grateful praise. And when you do that, when you make music to God with the harp, when, when you worship Him, when you celebrate Him, and when you thank Him for what He has given you, it draws your heart to God. We're going to find out why in just a moment. Well, let's find out now. <laughs> Thanksgiving reminds us that God is the source of all good things. You see, Thanksgiving reminds us that God is the source of all good things. Sometimes we think, well, I did that with my own hand. I worked hard. I made this happen. I was, you know, I was smart enough to do this. The reality is that whatever you have in your hands, God is the source of that. He's the source of your abilities. He, he's the source of, of, of your resources. He's the source of your standing in life and the station and the place and, and the environment he's put you in in this world. He's the source of even that. And so whatever you have done with your hands, because he's allowed it to happen, because he's given you the ability to use what you already have. I, I love this passage. James writes this to the church. He writes it to the letter to all the churches. James is Jesus' stepbrother. He says this, he says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is, is from the Father. And he doesn't change. He's not like shadows that shift and move all over the place. God is faithful always. And what he gives you is good. And it's firm. 
and he is the source of it all. And you and I were to focus that God is the source of everything we have. Your ability to work, whatever you've received in life, that spouse, that child, that, is a, that, that, that spouse or that child is a gift from God, your station in life, your workplace, the resources that you have, the clothes on your back, the outlook that you have, the mental acuity, that's all a gift from God. And so you and I, we're to be thankful and we're to realize that we're not the one that made things happen, but that he is. Maybe we ought to take on the attitude of, of uh, some tribes in Africa I heard about. When they receive something good, they have a couple different ways of expressing their thanks. One tribe puts their head on the ground. They, they put their palm or their forehead right on the ground, and they say, my head is in the dirt. Another tribe sits before the person that's blessed them, the, the person that has provided something for them that, that has been a blessing to them, and they sit right in front of them and they say, I sit in front of you. You know what those two acts are? They're very physical ways of humbling themselves before somebody who has given them a gift. And that's what God wants us to do. And that's what happens in our heart when we sit before God. When we put our head in the dirt before God. And when we worship him and when we thank him, you know what it does? It moves our focus from saying, my confidence is in me and what I can do because it's a false confidence. It moves us closer to God because we begin to realize God is the source of all that we have. And that's where God wants us to be today. And when you're thankful, it will move you closer to God. And maybe that's the very thing that kept you from from, from developing a deeper relationship. It's, it's the complaining attitude. It's the caustic, uh, sarcastic focus on all the problems of the world uh, instead of a, an, a, a focus on what God has given you and blessed you. Here's the second thing I want us to understand. Thanksgiving always leads to contentment. Did you know that? Thanksgiving always leads to contentment. Now, here's the thing. A little bit of uh, asterisk here. It, it's good to be discontent in a few things. It's good to never be contented in your relationship with God, like, like in, in the sense that you don't keep striving for a closer relationship with God, keep striving to learn more about God. It's good to not be uh, overly, uh, continually be contented about where you're at when God has called you to do more, and so there's opportunity. So, so we have to understand that there's a, there, there's a, we don't want to stay contented when God has called us to more. But the reality is that God has called us to be contented in our station of life. He's called us to be thankful because that leads to an attitude that says, what I have is enough. I've got one of these. Uh, in fact, I want us to say this. Thanksgiving moves us to focus on what we have, not what we don't. And when we focus on what we don't, it takes our eyes off what we already have Paul says this to the church in Philippi. He says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. By the way, this is a guy who, uh, man, he's lived on both sides uh, of this whole thing. He's been shipwrecked. He's been imprisoned, beaten. He's been through all that, and yet he's also experienced the greatness of God. He's experienced God working through his life, getting to see people healed and get to be part of that. I mean, he's experienced all these competing emotions and competing highs and lows in life. And he says, I've learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances, whether it's in, <laughs> in the good times or when it's in some, maybe some hard times. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. He said, I've learned the secret. Here's one of the top five rocks I've got in my life. You know, you, you, maybe you're like that. You've got some big things that you kind of look to as, as the things that you just, like, are the very foundation of your life. This is one of my top five. Here it is. We're rich until we become discontented. Only then do we become poor. We're rich until we become discontented. Only then do we become poor. See, God has provided you with all you need. He's given you everything you need in your life. But when you decide that you're missing something, when you decide you need something else to be happy, it's only then that you become poor. And I've come to realize that whenever I've broken that rule in my life is when I've lost. It's, it's, it's when I've pushed away from God. And so if you want to be rich today, don't allow yourself to fall into that discontented place that says, I don't have enough. We're truly rich until we think we aren't. Uh, uh, there's a story um, that, that I clipped out because I love it so much. I probably have told you this story before, so, but I, 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 you might be tired of it. I never, I never get tired of it because it, it moves me back to where I need to be. A guy named Mark, he was, uh, he was a college student, and uh, they lived in this house. It was in New York, and uh, he lived with some other guys. And, and one day, they got a knock on the door. It was this old guy carrying this basket of, of fruit and vegetables. And uh, he came to their door, and you know, he was there, and they were like, he, his eyes were glassed over. It sure looked like maybe he'd been drinking. Um, his clothes were... We're not all that well kept. His, his, his shoes were mismatched. It was, it was, he had a stubble. He just, he just looked, you know, like he'd lived, he was living hard times. And, uh, and, and so the, the boys, they actually bought some of his fruit and vegetables. They felt, you know, kind of a pity there. And uh, so they thought, well, they'll help him. That'll be the end of that. And so they bought some things and sent him on his way, and they thought that was that. The next week, the guy showed back up, and he knocked on their door. And over the next few weeks, he kept, he kept coming back every week, and they started to build a relationship with this guy. And over time, they realized that, that it wasn't alcohol that glazed his eyes over his cataracts, that the man was actually just a, a sweet spirit. He'd get his harmonic out and play gospel tunes for him. They'd talk religion and, and everything else. And one day, he came to their house, and after they, as they were talking, he excitedly told him, you know, Today, something great happened. Somebody just dropped off this big bag of clothes and shoes, and they, they were just celebrating with him, congratulating him. And he says, and you know what else happened? Just yesterday, I met somebody who can really use him. And every, every time I read that story, it gets me. Because when something good happens in my life, I think when, when, when some resources come my way, when some blessing shows up, I think, now what can I get? What can I do with that? How, how, can, how can I use that? And, and I, think, I think about sometimes what I can do with it. And yet I'm reminded that I have enough. And then my first thought shouldn't always be about what more I can do. 
but how I can be a resource because I'm already rich. Not just rich as in, in, in financial wealth, but rich in that all that I need, I have. And that the real richness comes with allowing what God has blessed us with to flow through us and realizing that I already have enough and not always looking for more. See, Thanksgiving says that what we have is enough. What we have is enough. Contentment is realizing that if God never gives us another thing, we have all we need. We're more than blessed. See, he's forgiven us. He's given us uh, a restoration with the Father. He's redeemed us from our empty way of life. He's restored us and taken away our shame and our guilt. He's blessed us with all of our needs. He's given us so much more than we deserve. Sometimes we say we deserve this or we deserve that. We don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything, and yet God has richly blessed us beyond what we deserve. But here's what I've learned. Unless we're content with what God does provide, we will never feel like our needs have been met. Unless we reach that place of contentment that we have enough, we will never feel our needs have been met. Sometimes we feel like we have a right to be happy. Anybody else? You know, like, I got a right to be happy. I hear that phrase a lot. And, and, and the problem with that phrase, that we have a right to be happy, is that we usually mean a certain thing with that. Like we have something in mind. We think we deserve certain things. C.S. Lewis, a great theologian, said that'll get you into trouble every time and it will only lead to bitterness because the reality is God will likely not provide what you think that piece of happiness is in the way you want it. You see, God doesn't always do exactly what we hope him to do. In fact, often he does far better. But we're so focused on what we think is going to make us, what's going to provide for us, what's, what's going to lead to happiness, that more that we miss the very blessing God's already given us. And when we focus on our losses, when we focus on those broken dreams or those, those bad relationships that haven't turned out right or, or what we don't have, you know what it does? It blocks our view. It becomes a mountain in front of us so that we can't see the rich valley just beyond. And, and the rich valley that's already inside of us. And yet when we become content, we say, you know, if I don't get another thing, when we get to that place, then you will be rich. So how do we become thankful? How do we become thankful? How do, how do, we, how do we change that? You know, because maybe you say, I've, I've been a little bit more complaining than I ought to be. I've like, like, I've really been focused on unhappiness. I've really been focused on, on what I want. To, and, and I want to change. I want to know that I'm rich, even if another thing never happens. How do you do that? Well, you make Thanksgiving the attitude of your life. That's what you do. You make it the attitude of your life. When I was 16, I, I started taking flying lessons, and I wanted to learn how to fly. And, and one of the first things I learned, and I had never really understood this before, but attitude is everything in the plane. Attitude is everything. There are three attitudes that really make a difference. One is the nose, either up or down, the pitch of the nose. The other one was roll. It was either left or right. And the, other one, the third one was yaw. That was just like, like which direction is the whole thing going sideways. And those three attitudes meant everything. And, 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 and if you could control those three attitudes, you could control flight. Like, like it would be a good flight. But if you weren't in control of those three attitudes, things could go south. I let things go south a few times because I didn't control the attitude. One of the most dangerous ones 
was when you were flying and your attitude was just so in relation, you always had the attitude of the plane in relation to the horizon, you know, and I was a visual flyer, I didn't do instruments, and so it was always about the horizon, but when the horizon got fuzzier, it was dark at night, and you were in, and you couldn't really see the horizon, one of the dangers was that you didn't realize the attitude of the plane was changing, and you were, you know, nose level, but all of a sudden nose got up, and you were starting to climb, but you really know it, it didn't matter, it didn't seem that much, and then all of a sudden, if if also the attitude of the plane, you started to bank and you didn't realize it with an attitude of a climb and a bank, you know what? It, you would begin to, to go up, but you would lose lift and you'd actually been, you begin to fall and you didn't realize it. You begin to lose altitude at the very time you thought you were level or climbing. You see, the attitude meant everything in a plane. Well, I want you to know, I think it's the same with life. Your attitude toward Thanksgiving matters. And if you allow your attitude to go nose down and you get critical or complaining or caustic or you get focused on your own happiness or you don't have enough, you're going to spiral in. So you and I, we've got to change the attitude of our life to move it from those, I don't have enough. I'm going to complain about this. I'm not, I'm not going to be happy because I, until I get this. And we've got to change that attitude to say, you know what, I'm thankful for everything I have and what I have is enough. Now you say, how do I get there? How do I get to that place? I think there's a couple ways to get to that place, but here's one thing I've learned. You're going to have to create a new habit. To get a new attitude, you're going to have to create a new habit. Some people say, well, you know, habits, like they're so rote, like you just do it. Like, is that really spiritual? Yeah, habits are spiritual. You know why? It takes energy and focus to create a habit. It takes energy and focus to create a new habit. And just know, to go from complaining or I need this to be happy to move into an, uh, an attitude of gratitude, to move into thanksgiving and putting God and thanking Him for what you have, that is a difference in attitude. And that's gonna, that's gonna, that means you're going to have to create a new habit. You, you're going to have to, like, try it on. And here's the thing. Once you create that habit, you've got to take energy and focus to keep that habit. I heard a, a story about um, Don Johnson. He, was, he, he played Sonny Crockett, Miami Vice. And to date me, that was uh, to, to my, when my twin brother got married for the wedding party, we all wore the Miami Vice kind of looking outfits. You know, that, that's just what was in at the time, you know. And uh, so this was played down in Florida. There, there were two cops that would just do whatever it took to get the bad guys, that, they, whatever it took. And so that was the, that was the mindset of the, of the two policeman on the show, and Sonny Crockett was one of those, and he, he said that he really had to get into the, he really had to get into the, the, the part, like he had to really research it and understand how, how policemen worked, and, and, he, and he took on this persona, and, and they filmed so much that, that he basically, be, he felt like that became his persona, that, that's who he was, not that he had changed his, his person, but, but he had, it just came naturally after a while because he had to discipline himself. To, to do the things that a real policeman would, would do. And he said, it came to him how much that had impacted him one day when he was off the set. They weren't filming. He had walked back to his hotel room, and when he got to the hotel room, somebody was rifling through his fiance's purse. And he said he didn't even think. It just came to him immediately, and he went into Sonny Crockett mode. He wrestled the guy to the ground, and called the, they got the police, and, and they nabbed him. He said that, that happened without him even thinking because he had developed that all the way along. I just want you to know that when 
you work to create a new attitude in your life, an attitude that says, God, you're enough, that my happiness doesn't depend on anything but what you've already given me and on who you are. And I want to move closer to you. And I have enough. When we, when we work day in and day out to create that kind of an attitude, that's a habit that will come out in every part of our life, in every situation. And you and I, if we want to move closer to God, if we want to be content in life, the power of thanks will allow us to do that. I, I want to give you just a couple a couple habits I think that you can develop in your life that will help you do that. One is, do you, do you ever just go to God when you start to pray? Maybe you're praying in the morning, whatever, and you just begin to pray, and you begin to ask God for things. What if you change it around? Instead of starting with all the things that you need and all the things that you want God to do, what if you began with thanksgiving and just begin to thank God for what he's done and what, what you already have and for, for who he is? I think there's an, another thing we can do. What, what if you've prayed for something for a long time? And I, I've really begun to change this in my life. Oftentimes, I go right to the next thing. Well, they're healed. You know, okay, God, this is going on. I, I've, I've tried to start, instead of just moving on from this thing, this great thing that God has done, is begin to have a, an equal prayer time to the requesting for things is the thanking God and just spending a concentrated time thanking God for what he's done. Because like sometimes we get so caught up, we just move on and on and on and we use God as a slot machine. One thing my wife did for us that was really helpful was next to the bed at night, there was a little notebook and we would all write, we, we would write the two of us the five things that we were thankful for that day. You know, it was amazing that no matter how heavy your heart was, how difficult the day had been, no matter all the crises going on, like how that would just put your eyes back on God and you begin to realize I got enough, that God is good, that I'm content no matter what happens, that he's in control. Look what he's doing. Look what he's done. There are so many opportunities for you to be thankful the three meals every day that you eat and if you're like me it's five so I get a lot of prayer time <laughs> what if you thank God before each one not just for the food but for who he is for what he's done for the blessings you've received you see in your life you will create an attitude of thankfulness and if you don't put some habits in your life guess what you're going to do you're going to be focused on the negative you're going to be focused on the glasses half empty. God, why haven't you given me this for my happiness? Why haven't you done this or this when God has done all that you need? And I want you to know his gifts, the things that he's given you, he knows what you need. He's given you what you really need. And maybe some of the very things that you feel like are going to make you happier, the very things that would rob you in your life. God knows. Be thankful for what he's done. I just want to pray for us right now. I just want to thank God. Would you stand right where you're at? And, and I just want to thank God in this moment for all he's blessed us with. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're all powerful and all knowing, that you're all present, that you're God of grace and, and mercy, that you have used your grace and mercy. You've given us your grace and mercy that every one of us who have trusted in you, have called on your name, have been forgiven, that we've been restored, we've been made new. 
our shame and our guilt has been taken away. You've lifted us up and you hold us in the palm of your hand. You've protected us. You fight our battles for us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Jesus, for sending him to to help us have that forgiveness and to be restored. Thank you for Jesus that we can know who you are, Father. And thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, your power and your presence living in us in the person of the Holy Spirit, that, that we don't do this journey alone, that you are right here in us. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our friends. Thank you for the physical blessings you've given us. Thank you, Father, for the, the mental outlook. Thank you, Father, for the blessings you continue to pour into our lives. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your word. Thank you. And Lord, if you never give us another thing, we have all we need in you. And Lord, we know that you're the giver of good gifts. We know that you'll continue to pour them out in so many blessed ways. Thank you. And we sit on the ground before you. We put our forehead on the ground and we say we sit before you we humbly realize it's you that are giving us these things and not us and so we lift up our gaze to you and we want our attitude to be lifted with eyes to you thank you thank you for who you are and what you've done and what you're going to do in your name jesus amen thanks for joining us today to stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.